Tate Robinson on. He's and there's goal of the season, Frank Murphy. Juliano Grazioli. Oh, absolute quality. I'm sure most people would say I was mad. Oh, Ryan Hello and welcome along, or hopefully welcome back, to another episode of the Downhill Second Half Podcast. Joining me, Ian DL, is a man who can quash a virus so quickly, it'll have less impact on your computer's memory than Alassane and Dai had on the memory of any Barnet fan in his six, yes six, first team appearances in the 2012 season. It's our podcast producer, James Harrison. Thank you, Ian. Good evening, everybody. Out of interest, is that a COVID reference or are you talking about computers? Uh, there was computers in there. It's no, always, always, computers, always computers, Always computers. Always computers. And alongside him, a man whose conversation is as expansive as Tommy Black's waistline during his brief Underhill spell, is Craig Clayton. Good evening. Can I finish my crisps? Or... Yeah, yeah, sure. It's almost our first ever fully live uh, podcast today. Obviously, we've recorded this uh, a little bit later on than some of the other ones, so uh, we're allowed to be in the same place, but... James is so in love with computers, he couldn't draw himself away from his there. So we're two-thirds, <laughs> two-thirds of the way to a live podcast. I told him he could bring it with him. Yeah, but uh, he's, he's happy with those curtains shut, the computer in front of him, <laughs> and just stats everywhere. Uh, and any- they're blinds, actually. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, it is just the three of us today, um, keeping it slightly topical, so we're kind of waiting for our second wave of guests to start oh, uh, very clever. coming through. We've got a few... Irons in the fire, as it were, so hopefully lots more good content there coming up in the next few weeks. But just us today, um, and we thought we'd focus a bit today on travelling to watch games. Uh, and we're not going to get topical about where we have to travel now to watch Barnet, not for today's episode. Um, but while at the moment, obviously, we're behind closed doors anyway, let's think about some of the times in the past uh, of how we used to get to away matches. But we thought we'd start, first of all, with the sort of ritual each week and the trip to Underhill. Yeah, very good. I, I think... Um... Obviously, it depends on where you live for this one because it's, that's, that's going to be a big, uh, big decider. But I, I lived kind of... Um, well, sorry. As a youngster going, we would go in the car with my dad. That was the, the kind of standard thing. And park... Um, if you remember the car park that sat almost the pavilion side, so the, just the other side near where the um, Elizabethans, I think, played football. Yeah, yeah. I think that's where it was. Um, we'd do that quite a lot. Um, but also on a nice summer's day, um, it was very walkable. Uh, or at least I convinced James that it was very walkable, um, which, you know, 45 minutes is a walkable distance, but perhaps not when you've got a uh, sports bag and a drum. <laughs> yeah, yeah. On, a very, on a very warm day, as I remember. Yeah. yeah, I remember convincing you there was a pub on the way, but you, I think we were all a bit too hot and bothered to stop at it once we got there. Um, I'm, really not, I'm really not convinced there was a pub on the way back, but never mind. The Orange Tree, mate, it's a lovely pub. I mean, it was a carvery at the time, <laughs> but, <laughs> but you could get a beer. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, I think, yeah, just getting the bus to and from Underhill always seems to be at the end of the road and the bus would run, go just past. Uh, you'd be scrambling there, running along, scarf blowing in the wind. Uh, not a good look for anyone. But we thought we'd focus mostly, despite this being a sort of Underhill theme podcast, mostly on our trips away, of which there were certainly many... Uh, looking back a few years now and kind of some of the different ways in which we got to those away matches and I think the sort of starting point for all of us once we're independently travelling anyway or of an age that we could do that was uh, going by coach um, which in kind of a short summary was a bit like going on a school trip but better 
uh, in that we were the cool kids because there were no other kids and we could sit at the back of the coach uh, which you, obviously our social status at school there's no way we were doing that in any other context um, and just have lots of kind of unsupervised fun I guess at the time <laughs> we were, like, linking it to school trips is, is, is ex- exactly how I think of it when I my first thought of the coach is like a Tesco's bag with a tinfoil wrap sandwich in there or something like that. Because that seemed to be, that sort of, just the smell of sandwiches that just come out of foil uh, and uh, maybe a can of pop, uh, kind of the memories of the coach. I think we were talking before, James was saying about this, about uh, that people's, like, you get on the coach, put your bag down, obviously everyone's taking a backpack to Telford, Farnborough, wherever we're going down that day. And uh, it was like the big reveal, open your zip, who's got what? Like, who's got the Haribo? Who's got the vanilla Coke six-pack? Um, <laughs> who's at the front to go and buy the Daily Sport <laughs> from the BP? Do you remember what you had the day I met you, Ian? Uh, yeah, the celebrations That team. was a crack. Well, yeah. I thought, this is a good bloke. Well, <laughs> this is a good guy. See, I was, always the guy, I was always the guy that pulled out the bloody sandwiches in, you know, the, the silver, silver-like... Um, What's it like the cling film? Yeah, tin foil. Like we just said. <laughs> Ridiculous. But it, but otherwise, paying for food elsewhere would eat into your twenty pound budget for the day, and otherwise, it just it just wouldn't work out if you had to spend three pound on on food in the BP garage next to next to the Queen's Arms. Do you? I, I don't know if you remember. I don't know how early you guys would have got the coach, and I. I it was all a bit overwhelming for me as a when I was very small, but I do remember part of the ritual was you had to go and pay Anne and Steve um, back in the day when it would have been as likely to be coins as it would have been notes, funny enough. Certainly no concept of card or, um, I suppose, any other payment method. And um, I remember having to go into the Queen's Arms, which felt like very much an adult environment uh, to a youngster. Um, and you'd see sort of Steve and Anne having their, their, their breakfast. And it was, it was like quite a scary moment to interrupt them when they're, when they're doing their, their thing. Maybe because they're adults and maybe because Steve Percy is terrifying when you're a child. I remember being so relieved that, um, to book a place on the coach. It was an answer phone. So, so you didn't have to speak to anyone. Those, I can still remember the number off by heart now. 01707 647 365. Um, and then you call up and it would be the, uh, the answer phone message. And every now and again, obviously not very often with Barnett, but you'd get the message like, the coach to Accrington Stanley is now full. Oh. And you've left it too late. You've left it to the Thursday for some reason. Uh, and and, and you, you're putting your name down on the reserve list, just absolutely scrambling. But then you were hopeful as well that they would, there'll be so many people calling up that they would then book a second coach. Do you remember? You'd, you'd be really hopeful. And you might, you might go on the message board. To, you might go on the message board to see if there's anybody else that's desperate to go. Can we get a second coach to go somewhere? Yeah, starting uh, a friend, starting a friend saying like well, second but... coach to <laughs> I remember that experience as well, but my before Steve Percy, the, the first away games I went to was on. Do you remember there was like sort of a splinter coach service. I think it was the first. I think it was the first year of the conference um, after we got relegated. When well, I don't know what happened, but there was clearly a split between the BFCSA that Steve was running at the time and the club, where they created an official BFCSA, where where you had. Where you had like little things like uh, like one pound off in the in the season ticket booklet for a burger or something, but they also ran their own coach service. So my first experiences as the coach were through the club, but very quickly 
it, it became clear that it wasn't very viable, especially when we had like, I think it was about 12 of us on a coach to Chester once or something stupid. So very quickly that coach service was discontinued and we ended up on Steve's coach. And like you say, you went, you went through the ritual of, you went through the ritual of leaving the message on the, um, on the answering machine. Well, you made me think, because I also first went on the coach on that, that official one, because I didn't know any better, I suppose. Uh, and uh, last game of the season, the last game that coach ever had was Northwich away, um, which was quite a lively coach with a few people we know. It was someone's 18th birthday. Obviously, we weren't involved in that. We were a bit too young. But uh, some very questionable uh, apple tango bottles being drunk out of by a lot, a, a lot of people. And we're looking at people thinking how cool they were. Uh, people using hairspray on different body parts in the ground, as I recall. Yes. Um, <laughs> but uh, I remember booking for that one. You had to call up and it was a... It was, a, it was a man who answered the phone. Um, well, I don't want to get his name wrong. That's a step too far, isn't it? That's, <laughs> yeah. That's... Well, and in my excitement, because I think I had to really persuade my dad that Northwich was, you know, I was only about 12 or 13, that I, was, I should be allowed to go, having just met these bigger boys from Potter's Bar, <laughs> James and, and crew. And uh, I was so excited when I rang up. It was like, uh, what's your name? And he's, <laughs> he had to ring me back. <laughs> he had to ring me back because I think I just like, made a noise. And then go, thanks, bye. Um, thankfully I had withheld the number but um, yeah uh, it's funny the things you remember isn't it it is funny I, I always tried to I, I did always try and avoid that situation by you know when Steve always used to come round with the list uh, on, oh, yeah. on the way back from any game and regardless of what the result was you're always keen to say alright Scarborough yeah alright I'll go to Scarborough oh um, then there's that uh, Accrington game on the Tuesday well I'm still going to school but uh, maybe I'll, yeah may- maybe but then you have to call up for that one yeah you feel pressure you feel pressure yeah, yeah. to put your name down like if everyone else put their name down for Leah or am I oh but I'm, I'm like thinking oh, I'm, bit, I'm busy that day I've got some homework to hand in or something <laughs> and anyone would laugh at you but it does you, uh, it did feel like um, you you were frowned upon it was kind of like if you went yeah I'm going you'd kind of get like a ooh endorsement nod from the from the, the people of the, if you went no oh no that's not a, that's a bad one whatever happened to his phone number what is that what that answer machine I don't know I've just given it out because <laughs> well, st- he still runs a coach doesn't he so can someone please, anyone listening, verify what the method is now for, for booking Steve Percy's coach? Does the number still exist? If so, we'd love to call it and see what the messages are now. Still, see if it's still the same. Uh, but it, it, I don't know. It was a. Um, it, it felt it was quite a little, a little world in itself, wasn't it? That that coach for a couple of years. Um, like we said, I think we had a pretty sort of general routine and, and, a, and a consistent group of us you know I don't know maybe within 10 people you, yeah. could, you could expect to see 7 or 8 of most games um, and kind of the, the same things happen on a lot of those journeys now I remember wasting a lot of time uh, on various motorways ripping up yellow pages uh, <laughs> into, into carrier bags for the sake of about 3 seconds worth of colour uh, in the away end before kickoff. Uh, for a phase of time, um, what must the other people of the coach thought? Just looking, oh, there's the boys with their yellow pages. But, but we thought we were cool with it as well, though, because yeah. like at the time as well. I mean, obviously, we were all like sort of in your teenage years when you 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 maybe discovering your music you like and stuff. I do, I do have to say the music scene on the coach for all its other things that weren't cool. That music scene it was like the enemy for, <laughs> for of its time. 
Uh, a lot of my favourite albums now that I listen to from people's Walkmans on the coach yeah. the first time. So we'd be there like listening to sharing, oh yeah, have a go on this album here for whoever. And uh, sitting there, so not even talking, sitting there <laughs> with earphones in, just <laughs> mindlessly ripping up. Well, there were long journeys. <laughs> you know, you had, you had things to... I, I also remember um, they used to... Certainly the, the nicer coaches would have teas and coffees. You could get a tea and coffee. And I suppose maybe sort of my age was... Like, showing my age at the time was like, have they got any hot chocolate on there? Like, because a tea and a coffee would have been far too grown up to have at that point, I think. Yeah, it was It was always that, for, for, for whatever reason it was, we decided that ripping up the yellow pages was for, for like a confetti display at the start of any uh, away game was, was, a, was a cool thing to do. But sometimes you had to resort to ripping up the Sunday sport that someone had bought without fail. Someone would always buy it the Sunday sport in the BP garage before the game to, to read it. Remember that little nonsense? Well, it wasn't even a newspaper. It was just looking at the pictures, wasn't it? But I never really understood because the uh, journalism wasn't that good. Where, where we had to add to the confetti collection because we wanted to make a good display. I don't, I don't understand what we, anyone was thinking, to be honest. Yeah, no, I mean, that that was particularly uh, uncool. You also had, you know, there was a lot of... On the way back, normally, there was the, the prank phone calls that would take place. That was sort of the early age of the mobile phone uh, and trying to... But even that, I remember like someone doing a prank phone call on someone, ringing up, saying, uh, Hi, it's someone from the non-league paper. You're the face in the crowd. You want 50 quid? Like, what 14 or 15-year-old is doing that as the prank? Like, just order pizza to someone's house or something <laughs> and be done with it. Like, what a bunch of losers. But... Um, yeah, and then obviously within that as well, we had our fun probably with some of the other regulars <laughs> who uh, use the same mode of transport. Um, it, it was a colourful wasn't, collection. Wasn't on one it. of the people convinced to go and sing karaoke with no backing track at the front of the coach <laughs> yeah, on the microphone? Yeah, the, 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 well, these, are, these are the sorts of things you have to do to pass the time. I mean, it's you know four hours on the way back from an away game, and like. You know, you're bored, aren't you? Because it's, I mean, invariably we've lost. So actually we had to fill the time somehow. somehow. You know, I don't, I don't know, know how um, the custodian, Mr. Percy, kept his patience at times with, with us not being very, very noisy at the back <laughs> when all you want to do probably when you're a little bit older is just have a kit. He, he didn't keep his patience, as I recall, is how he handled that. I, I, if I remember rightly, the particular karaoke episode that I'm thinking of <laughs> was a rendition of a Ronan Keating song. Yes. Which was... Um, re-lyriced as life is a coaster <laughs> do I get do I got that life is a coaster and, yeah and it probably was no and, and that, that that particular individual as well where you spring photos on the coach yeah. for us to look at a very Field photographer very different things um, not always um, particularly clear though. <laughs> quite a lot of blurry <laughs> photographs yeah but yeah you talk about things sort of lists of things going around the coach and uh Obviously, before the game as well, you always, always used to have, have the, the scorer's draw. draw. That was brilliant. Remember the scorer's draw yeah, where yeah, you used to get all the squad, all of the squad were put into a hat and you had to pay, I think it was a pound or something like that. 50p, I reckon. Was it 50p? Because I think a pound for two, you know, double your chances. Oh, okay. So 50p, one pound, whatever it was, 50p. And then you draw out the name of the person. I mean, you look, you look at it and go, oh, right, Ross Darcy, brilliant. Right, well, that's 50p. I'm not going to see it again, isn't it? But uh, yeah, you'd always have that buzz whenever you pick someone out like uh, a Strevens or you know the golden the golden ticket, which was like Grazioli. Remember when when I first went, um, it used to just be a number because they, you didn't have yeah, squad course, numbers the same yeah. way, and it could be anyone. So um, 
you you didn't want a number one. That that was always bad. Yeah, yeah. A, a thirteen wasn't great, um, but you know, like a twelve wasn't always bad, or a sixteen uh, wasn't always bad. That's not a bad one to get. Yeah. The or, prior, the, or, or certainly the saying when I started, started going, going, the no scorer option was always quite a good one. To yeah, 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 yeah. Certainly in certain particular you know, spells. You know when you get number nine, you're like, "Where's well, the fucking banker?" I don't even know why we're yeah, bothering going that, anymore. The, the anger. How <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah, yeah. laughs> dare that, that not coming? Just to clarify, as well, this was to win ten pounds. Yeah. <laughs> Which, but again, that's half the budget. That was big money back that's then. Half your budget for the day. Nothing about pints. You drink your pints. You're thinking, right, that's 10 quid towards the coach of Tamworth next week if this comes in. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, no, the best one to have for a while was um, A, another, where, because we'd often sign players on a Friday after things had been printed. And uh, I remember Jeff Pitcher winning me a tenner at Telford and uh, Greg Pearson at Gravesend and Norfleet as well in the same season. Uh, see, 20 quid there, which uh still haven't forgotten about. It was, uh, yeah, did enjoy the scores draw, very... Uh, very good fun, and uh, and also the, the the enjoyment of someone else pulling the goalkeeper out or something mm. was uh, the ridicule at the fifty p that had just been lost uh, was was good fun. Um, I think we're almost done with the coach. There, the other thing that sort of stands out as a a quirk of it, certainly a nice idea, but maybe when you're a teenager, not the best one was the uh, stop offs in places mm. en route to where you were going. So kind of. Uh, for example, the first one that's coming to mind there, long, long, the longest coach journey to do, Carlisle Away. And I remember we stopped in the town of Carnforth in Lancashire. I don't know why I remember that, but I remember it probably because like, if you're 15 or around that age, there is nothing you can do, really. Like, so so I, what, I don't ever, what I never knew was, was the stop-off factored in? Because we have to leave early in case there's traffic, and if we get there early, we go to the pub. Or was it, you can't drink on the coach, let's get somewhere early so we can plot up in a pub for a couple of hours before the game? Yeah, it could have been. Could have, I suppose, yeah, because that was the thing. It's like the coach would stop and it would be that you just disperse into groups. Those that could and wanted to go after the pubs. Uh, it would generally, they, they generally tried to pick quite quaint, nice little places I'm as just, a rule. Not all like, The coach to Stevenage will depart at 9am and you're like, well, hang on. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, why are we doing that? <laughs> Yeah, we're going to we're going to go we're going to go and walk around the Roaring Meg retail park in Stevenage for for three hours. Yeah, cheers, cheers for that. Well, it was like the other the other week. I had a really weird flashback to this because I was in um, near where my sister lives. I went to uh, Iron Bridge in Shropshire, and I was explaining to my wife that this is about the sixth or seventh time <laughs> I've been here because every time for Telford or Shrewsbury away, we stopped there, which it's quite a nice picturesque place on a on a summer's day. But we'd be there in sort of the middle of winter, freezing cold. Uh, just basically wandering around a village with nothing to do. Was that the place for Burnley as well? No, it was Hebden Bridge. Oh, Hebden Bridge. Hebden Bridge. Hebden Bridge. Hebden Bridge. Yeah. Oh, what a joy that was. Well, there's, it was like you say. It's it's all these places where you, when you're a little bit older and you can go into the pub, it is places that you appreciate. And perhaps people listening who were of that age probably do appreciate that sort of thing. But when you were 15. God, what what am, I, what am I meant to do? Eventually, eventually, we used to bring a football on the coach because we knew we were going to stop somewhere. And the first thing that we were trying to do was go and find a park because we'd go and have to go and have a kick around. And generally, generally we'd find one. And you know, in in some places, we well, a bunch of fifteen year old kids from out of town, you end up being a bit of a target. But yeah, I suppose those those are, those are some stories for another day, I guess. A lot of Principal James are taking the view that. 
once we were old enough to drink, we could really appreciate the nice scenery. <laughs> yeah, after a couple of beers, ain't that bad, actually. Do you remember um, on the way to Shrewsbury in the playoffs, the coaches all stopped at Telford? Yeah. And, uh, it was, they were on the verge of going bust. Did they have a hotel? Telford they, hotel they, 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 they'd, they'd like, done their money, basically. Like, someone had come in, spent a load, and then... Fucked off. Yeah, and... Uh, <laughs> Uh, and we were all of that, that age sort of thing. but I remember having no trouble getting served at the club that were about to go bust and out of business <laughs> and, and just being welcomed with open arms like have to <laughs> have what you want and please be Shrewsbury I think yeah. was the message um, which we did one of the two things anyway that day um, but yeah so as you say obviously as James alluded to there that uh, the pubs are the, the best scenery you probably want to see apart from the away end on an away day um, and kind of with that and maybe as you get a bit older sort of graduated a bit like in the ground we said you kind of go from the, the north terrace the northwest terrace over to the east terrace there was a bit of a transition wasn't there from the away games from being on the coach to uh getting the train which obviously gives you a lot more freedom uh to take what you want with you to kind of to stop off get up walk around whatever else um and that certainly became kind of more of a ritual for us when the fixtures came out you'd be looking at which ones would be good train journeys and yeah, and generally most of them were, weren't they? It was always that sort of ritual of, you know, we've we've dumped the coach, but we, we would be moved, we would leave, be leaving at the same sort of time, but it would be to go into London somewhere to go and get a train up north. But there'd be some places where you're where you're there by twelve o'clock, and actually now you've got something to do. So somewhere like somewhere really unlikely, like Macclesfield, for example, somewhere like that, that always seemed to be a really good trip because you could get there in next to no time, and you'd be in the pub in next to no time, and it was always a good laugh, wasn't it? The, the game changer, you know, call it out for what it is, was that you can have a drink, really, wasn't it? That was a big deal. And I remember, you know, depending on how far the journey is, you'd be sat in the, or sorry, in the off licence maybe before uh, the game, and you think, I don't know, it's about two or three hours, we'll, 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 we might four or five, or you might have a, an hour on the train, you might think, bring a couple. I remember, and I'm pretty sure it was, it was this, it was a, a Gillingham pre-season away game, and one of the blokes turned up with a 24-pack. <laughs> and it was a bit like he just got the wrong end of the stick. Uh, and the same person, as I recall, um, was uh, on the way out the ground just hitting wing mirrors off cars. <laughs> and, um, and got on the train and started smoking when it had just been banned. And went, I don't care. <laughs> so, <laughs> These are not the views of the down second half podcast. <laughs> But that was, you know, that was the sort of uh, attitude towards it. Yeah, to be clear, we're not justifying that behaviour and probably not justifying some of our own behaviour at times. But yeah, it was certainly the um, the game changer was being able to have a drink. And, you know, it, it did become socially acceptable to walk along a street at 10 o'clock with a can in your hand and just be drinking and think you're the, think you're the best thing since sliced bread. <laughs> Yeah, because obviously um, we well, generally start the, the sort of the, the sentence in the text you get in the week would be bell at nine. For, for most away games, wouldn't it? And it'd be that you go to the Weatherspoons in New Barnet, have a fry up. Um, and then my recollection of a certain time is that every away game we went via Peterborough. Didn't matter where we were going, Brighton away, via Peterborough. <laughs> Anywhere from New Barnet, we seem to go via Peterborough, uh, say with a few cans, um, but always end up somewhere pretty efficiently and early. I'm sure part of the reason for that was that, so we were quite lucky. We had someone that tended to do a lot of the organising. And I'm, and, and you know, and bless him, it, 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 you know, priority was not how how long it took. Priority was how much it cost and how much he could take off the top, as I recall. Well, it was always the round. It was always the roundup, wasn't it? The tax, but I suppose you're paying for a service. <laughs> and, and this, 
this this individual did did always get us from A to B. Well, sorry, but A to B via the rest of the alphabet. But it was, and he uh, does have a very nice house now. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that, that, that move is, out to that suburbia. Yeah, you're right. Peterborough was always like a Peterborough always seems to be a stop-off point for basically any away game, didn't it? And yeah, we got to know Peterborough quite uh, a bit more intimately than anyone would ever want to. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's much more time Peterborough than needed. But um, yeah, I mean, as you say, I think with those train journeys, I'm sure a lot of the time we weren't the favourite. Uh, guests of the other passengers but I, I think it was generally all pretty light-hearted there was never, never any malice in some of the stuff we did but there was some slightly silly things that, that used to go on I'd say but, yeah, I never realised how annoying it was until I saw other people doing yeah, it yeah. and then I realised what a bunch of wankers yeah. we've always been <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well I, I remember I remember being a little bit older and perhaps I think I was on a train somewhere. I think I've been to a. I think we've been to a game. I'm not sure if it was us or it was a different occasion. But I think bumping into a group of Chelsea supporters who were behaving in a perhaps very similar way to maybe we did, and it was extremely irritating. So I suppose if there's anyone out there listening to who who did bump into a group of random Barnet fans many many years ago, then I can only apologise. I mean, but, James, are the, the chance of anyone who isn't also a Barnet fan listening to this is probably welcome. I know that, but he, uh, you never know. You never know. This this podcast could have some very broad appeal in the future. So I've just kind of <laughs> keep it. There, there were some things out there that uh, were perhaps be- best left on those trains, but um, yeah. I'm sure we might go into some detail about well, something like your now. birthday well, party. Well, yeah, I was going to say. I think I think the best the best thing for people to do unless you can just kind of block it out or move to another carriage, uh, was to kind of just embrace it and enjoy it. And we, had, we made quite a few little friends and chums along the way on various trips. Uh, Chesterfield Springs to mind. I think we'll save that for another day. <laughs> <Our> memoirs. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the one, yeah, I was thinking when we went to Lincoln via Peterborough, of course, um, on your 21st birthday, and I think it was the Peterborough to Lincoln train. We like decked out with like those bunting, Party hats. Um, Guardian uh, reader from Sandy. Yeah, yeah like a middle-aged bloke with his Guardian. There's a great photo somewhere of him just in the background, just just yep, pop the party hat on, acknowledging what was going on, in no way part of it. I just thought, yeah, fair play. I've got a lot of time for that yeah. guy. If anyone knows who he is, if you could just get in touch, that'd be great. Yeah, no, so there is a picture of that somewhere. We'll have to use that maybe on the uh, social media for this one. Yeah, I will dig that one out. I've, I've, I've got that photo. That is a promise that I can keep. Um, but yeah, no, that was like you say, that was my birthday. I, it was, it was a bit of a silly day because we 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 had a lot of drinks already, and I managed to get myself thrown out of the ground that day by accident by by smuggling some alcohol into the ground. And the the guy on my birthday wished me um, wished me a good rest of the day as I got thrown out during a four one defeat. But um, yeah, that about, was the one. That was the one where the steward <laughs> took. Took the Coca Cola uh, cup off. I can't remember if it was me or someone else. Took the lid off, smelt it, and just laughed and was like, "Come on!" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because that was a, that was a thing, wasn't it? That was a thing because like you can't not drink during the game, so it was a thing to um, buy a Coke in the ground, but have a have a little top up of um, some sort of very cheap spirit next door to it. Wasn't there was it? a there was a real there was a, a, a what felt like quite a long period of time where I could lose friends to the tea hut. <laughs> They'd go off for a Coke and then I'd find them in the pub after the game. <laughs> for one reason or another, they hadn't made it back. Um, 
yeah, the alcohol ones are usually the, the calmer ones and the better reasons, but yeah, uh, good old days. But yeah, the, the Lincoln trip was a memorable one, obviously for me personally being my 21st, but yeah, yeah, we talk about Peterborough and we laugh about it, but generally speaking, it did sort of lead to some of the best stories. I remember sort of further up in that neck of the woods and we've alluded to it on the podcast before, obviously talking to uh, a couple of, couple of players about it, but um, Gainsborough. Uh, that trip was a memorable one for, for many, many reasons, but it was it was so, so odd. And I, I think, you know, it wasn't just us on that train to Gainsborough. It was quite a lot of Barnet fans as well who managed to get one of the three trains that week that stopped at the Gainsborough, whatever station uh, Gainsborough Lee Road. Gainsborough has two train stations, I recall. And that yeah, Gainsborough Lee Road one, you came out and it was literally like going in, a sort of time warp. Having been to Gainsborough, I'm surprised they need two stations, yeah. if I'm honest. <laughs> yeah, a proper proper rattler, I think you'd call a trailer that one. you like a little one-carriage thing. Uh, and yeah, you walk out amongst all these little, uh, not little, like massive old factories yeah. and warehouses down into the town. Uh, and I just remember that, that whole place, just weird. The pub we went into playing... Um, a lot of like quite hard techno uh, on a Saturday after yeah, Saturday lunchtime. Was that not because they had a jukebox and we <laughs> put it on? <laughs> I, think, I think that's but, why. Uh, you say we people people in our. I don't. I don't think that was their their cho- music of choice. I think that was. Well, there's, there's still there's still some footage somewhere uh, on <laughs> YouTube of one quite well known Barnet fan in particular uh, dancing to I think the Prodigy uh, by the pool table in in whatever pub it was in in Gainsborough and. Like it's like one of those sort of bizarre videos you see on on Twitter of like a pub I don't know in Scotland at eight o'clock on a Saturday morning. There's that one famous cliff I don't know if you know the one I'm on about. Um, where it, it just sort of every everywhere you look, something magical. There's like a bloke with a fake Man United shirt on trying to challenge everyone to pull. The barmaids come out from behind the bar and he's like making up a dance with said Barnet fan to the prodigy. Uh, and it's all like one o'clock on a Saturday afternoon. It's, Bizarre, surreal, surreal place. I remember that one as well. We locked in after the game because the locals have been a little bit hostile, uh, to say the least. And then all getting split up, getting lost in the rain in Gainsborough before kind of being reunited at the station where it was just us Barnet fans uh, singing the final countdown. Um, yeah, it, it was so strange up there. It, it, it was one of those random ones and it must have happened so many places where, you know, there's a lot of people in their pub in the t- in a town somewhere in the north, minding their own business at one o'clock on a Saturday afternoon, completely probably unknown to them that there's a football match going on in the town that day, and suddenly a load of people who are already halfway pissed turn up in their pub and just <laughs> just start um, well in this instance putting music on the jukebox and dancing around and taking over the pool table. It must have been so surreal for them let alone surreal for us, especially that Gainsborough one. I mean, there's countless um, occasions where that would have happened over the years in, in so many places like that. It was just weird all round, but still funny when you look back on it. Well, that's why I think if people just embrace <laughs> embrace it and think like, all right, yeah, they're not here to cause any harm, they're just a bunch of idiots, then uh, then they enjoyed it. I think, you know, the another train incident of that was... Uh, Going down to Torquay one year, uh, which I'm sure maybe we'll talk about some of those weekends in a bit more depth another time, but uh, someone had brought one of their Bluetooth speakers or whatever, and we <laughs> renditions of a bit of erasure, little respect, uh, Lady in Red, um, and, and most people took that in quite good humour, but but not not all passengers. Well, I mean, 
in, in the defence of the passengers, when we were asked to turn it down, it got turned up. I can see why that might have infuriated <laughs> people. Yeah. Well, well, were we in a quiet coach at the time, or did I make that up? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> but it wasn't. But yeah. it, it is a possibility. That reminds me as well of the uh, Gilliam away, which I think the games come yes. up before. The one right at the end of the season that we stayed up with Grax in charge. We won 4-2. Um and like, even before we got in the trouble, was that at King's Cross, James? We had a bit of luck with the cash point, didn't we? Yes, that's right. Yeah, it was. It was a. It was a blazing hot day, and I think I don't think we tried to go via Peterborough to Gillingham, but we did end up in King's Cross, and it was. It was uh, there was a cash point, and someone came up to the pub we were in. I think it was the Euston Flyer, and uh, or something along that on the Euston Road, and uh, someone came up to us who'd been in King's Cross, and they said this cash point is uh, is giving out more money than it should do. They they took out 30 quid and it gave them 90 or something like that, something stupid. So quite a few of us went, <laughs> quite a few of us got wind of it and we decided, right, we're going to go and do this. And I think, I mean, I ended up with, I think walking around Gillingham with about 350 quid in my pocket, having 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 only taken about 90 quid out. But yeah, it was, that, that was bizarre. But yeah, Gillingham was... Uh, particularly random for several reasons i think there's a few other things that went on that in that pub in that in that hour it was the train the train driver didn't want to embrace the fun of us and another bar no, on the train it's st george's day wasn't it as it was <laughs> and uh yeah some some people dressed up as a uh, knights of the realm what, what was the thing that came over the tannoy on the the train well, it, it was. It, I think we were doing the thing where we were just sort of being a bit rowdy and maybe climbing up in the luggage racks, but it was it was the other group that were that were messing around, and uh, the, the the guy on the tannoy said something like, "Would the would the knights of the realm in the third carriage stop doing this, that, and the other? Otherwise, they will be escorted off the train by the guard." And I think, well, with the greatest respect, best of luck. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're on Her Majesty's service. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. British transport police are going to go, going to turn up and they're going to be outranked by the Knights of the Realm. I would have Just a flashback to one of the Knights of the Realm, the same person who was dancing in the pub at Gainsborough, uh, <laughs> lying on the floor under the stand, under that temporary stand at Gillingham at half time, <laughs> having like the Gaza dentist chair done to him <laughs> in people's beers. <laughs> Oh, just, yeah, what a ridiculous day. And we won 4-2, which uh, a lot of things that don't happen normally, all in one day there. Yeah, it's one of those where where it's one of those where it shouldn't be a good away game, but it just had all the ingredients and all the silly silliness that you needed to make it a memorable one. And yeah, that, that Gillingham trip was, uh, for, for the aforementioned reasons, a very, very good trip. Yeah, no, good, lo- loads of good, loads of good trips on the train. I think, you know, even in the more recent years, we've had the odd get together should we say because it does you know it kind of does peter out a little bit that traveling to away games and maybe certainly behaving in that way uh but it's always the train when it's uh a big one on on mass and there's been lots of other good trips with that too um certainly kind of further into your supporting life as you become maybe a young adult uh trips in the car also became a feature um of following barnet away now normally not not for the coolest of reasons, I don't well, think it's fair to say. As far as I can tell, there's two reasons why you'd go in the car. One is that you're going for a weekend, and it just makes a lot of sense. Or That's that, all right. Or that no other sod's going there, or they, it start, you know, the coach is going off at past at a clock, like we've already described, or the train's far too expensive. So you sort of all get crammed in a 
well, some poor sod who's agreed to drive, basically, his car. Or someone who thinks they can make a few quid on the petrol. Uh, the our aforementioned travel provider. Well, it was, it was usually the individual that insisted we go via Peterborough that would insist yeah. that he would drive. Yeah, which was great. When I was at uni, it was great because I was in like in the Midlands, so he'd pick me up on the way to various places. So I only had to do half the half the travel. But um, yeah, what? Why? Why he subjects himself to that? I don't know. It's certain individuals may have been a bit more annoying than others. Like, as soon as we're on the motorway, can we stop for a piss? Can we stop for a piss? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> given that a lot of people were treating his car a bit like the train still. Yeah. <laughs> uh, can I smoke? <laughs> yeah. Can I smoke? What about now? <laughs> <laughs> oh goodness all the, the, is, like, all the way to Chesterfield that was but also like Rochdale away on a Tuesday night or something like that we, we never had any luck at Rochdale anyway and didn't on that occasion it was just you know <laughs> that was the one where was that the FA Cup game where we yeah. were 2-0 up quite early on we got yeah. there late we missed the first goal we missed the first goal because <laughs> you were picking me up on the way uh, our learned friend <laughs> when he was parking the car had a little crash with a, with a local what a little car. crash <laughs> <laughs> it was a little crash Quite hard. Hit it quite hard and asked us, <laughs> did I hit it? Yeah. Uh, which we yeah, all, I think you might have done. Uh, we all laughed at that, went into the ground and I think saw Adoma celebrating the goal, whereas he came in, I think, after the second one yeah, as well. Missed, and we got beat missed three both ones, lost three two <laughs> extra time. And then I had to drive back to London from Rochdale. Yeah. Uh, that was a rough night. Yeah, no, it was um and I think with with the car, yeah, it was always you sort of questioning a bit like, really? Are we are we doing this? And uh, and so you'd have to sort of find ways to uh keep yourself amused. I remember Ian us resurrecting a game that we used to play when we were waiting for buses, <laughs> which was the what would you do with game. Um, and you'd literally go through every squad player, starting with the goalkeeper and watching way down the list. Um, you tended to not need a programme to be able to know all the squad numbers, such as the nature of your memory. <laughs> and um, you would go through every squad player and say, well, if you could just do one activity for an evening afternoon with such and such player what would you what would you do good game great game i think there, there were certain players that were easier to answer than others so I mean, who is the the classic was the goalkeeper Be- uh, rob beckwith yeah rob beckwith what would you do with rob beckwith well he looks like the kind of guy who loves a barbecue yeah like out in his havianas <laughs> hawaiian top chinos he'd probably take over midway through i'll, I'll do these burgers if i recall uh, Ishmael Yakabu was quite often at those barbecues. Yeah, he, he was well. there. The just, being, just really being pleasant, chatting to the family and stuff because he was that kind of. Just a nice guy. Just a really, really nice guy. Chilled out as well, and just like you know, you could have an easy conversation with him. He'd sit in the background and listen when you want to chat. Like it was, it was good. And you'd have some which would be, uh, yeah, you'd have some. Uh, Steve Cabber was the other one. Steve Cabber. Clothes shopping. Yeah. Always cool. said he was cool. Like, yeah, he's, he's going to Coming take... out. Coming out the dress, like, dressing room with all the things he's got you in. You're like, Steve, I can't get away with this, mate. Like, there's no way I can go, no, you look cool, mate. You look cool. Uh, he'd say it and you'd believe it. And that's why you'd go shopping with him, man. Uh, and there'd be some which were less, a lot, a lot less easy to come up with an answer for. You, some of the answers would be pretty poor. I remember as well once going right off on a tangent and making up a whole story about... One player. Well, that was a slightly uh, different game. Was that a different game? That was the scenario game. Was that no? But is that not the? No, that was oh, the scenario yeah. game. That was the. That was the. So I remember we were in a car, a long car journey. Morecambe, back, Morecambe. Morecambe. And, and and if I remember, did we both sit in the back while someone else drove? <laughs> Same person to organise all the travel. It'd be an absolute absolute pain. But um, I remember, because I felt like we were like the devil and angel on his shoulder (laughs) telling him him these scenarios. But as I recall, well, 
Well, so just to give it the idea was this time that you knew the Barnet players, so we're taking it one step further than the the Barnet scenario game of what would you do with each. Do you know player? what it was? I know what I know what spawned it. So this particular person was quite friendly with the Faircuff family, and after a particularly <laughs> bad day, this guy had given Paul Faircuff some reassuring words. And Paul Fekker responded, <laughs> there you go. you've brought me back from the edge, <laughs> right? So we sort of elaborated on the story and kind of went with, who else could this person bring back from the edge? <laughs> <laughs> so it wasn't a scenario game, it was, how would you, how would you bring them back from the edge? <laughs> yeah. um, and so we had to create situations that he might have to bring back some... And didn't Dean Brill get legged over it was, yeah, on one the, of these? The scenario was that one of the other players had cheated on Dean Brill's misses and you had this information. Do you tell Dean Brill? Just before the, just, it's just before a game. <laughs> it's a game that's going to keep us up. De- Dean, No, I think it was Dean Brill's just found out what do you say to Dean Brill to make him play? Because he, <laughs> he don't want to go out on that pitch now after the latest news that's just come out. And I remember this got so involved... But by the end, he was like, I just can't believe he's done it. <laughs> I, just, I just can't believe he's done it. That's out of order. So uh, Jeff, it didn't... At all. <laughs> it didn't actually happen. So I would... So I implore anyone listening to come up with great scenarios where you would need to bring a Barnet player back from the edge and or... Give us your kind of things, fun things you'd like to do with players. Yeah, I think if you know, we want to get on the Twitter hashtag Barnet Scenario Game. Uh, we'll we'll know what you mean. Um, you know, what would you do? It could be the current squad, but I think it's probably more fun in the nature of the podcast to go with some of the old ones. You know, or you can eat Chinese with John Doolan. Uh, <laughs> that's that. That's the kind of flavour we're know, looking for. I used to love the ones like Michael Leary. Oh, nothing, nothing in public. He's he's a live wire. That one. <laughs> That's dangerous. Tommy Fraser, yeah, let's... PlayStation. We'll play PlayStation with Tommy <laughs> Fraser. <laughs> or, go, or go to Nando's. Oh, yeah. That's the case, maybe, yeah. Mickey yeah, Dividends, yeah, bring him up at 3am. Let's, let's, let's be clear that we can't, we can't confuse these scenarios with things that actually happen. Yeah, no, that is true. These, are, these have got to be fully fictional scenarios that you have to come up with with um, random members of the squad from, well, whenever, really. How do you bring Gratz back from the edge when someone turns up at his house on his 30th birthday with a fucking birthday card that he's made at home? Yeah. <laughs> that, that is one for Jeff. Well, there was, there was that occasion, or a couple of occasions, where we went in particularly big cars uh, yes. to games. Um, stretch limousines, in fact. Yeah, well, the fir- first one of those was um, kind of... It matched the prestige of the fixture, so it's a bit of a weird one. I think it's just you and I, Craig, from this this collection of people that uh, went on the to Man United away in the the famous yeah, Carling Cup game yeah, yeah. in a in a limo. Uh, very kindly invited by a Barnet fan. We didn't didn't necessarily know him all that well, and we were kind of with a group of people we weren't all that familiar with. But we had the Carling Cup in the limo, had an interview with that um, Brian Swanson on Sky Sports. Mm-hmm. We had about uh, you know nine or ten beers between six of us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was fucking wild. It like. was it was a it was quite surreal, but it kind of a limo to Old Trafford kind of matches up with with the uh, where where you going, I suppose. Um, but we did another one, the three of us and several more of our friends, where we. Uh, Got a limo to uh, Mansfield, <laughs> <laughs> as you do. Mansfield Town away in the penultimate game, I think, of the 2007 season, I'm going to go. 
Yeah. Yeah, absolute dead rubber game. Both teams safe mid-table, nothing to play for. And uh, was it 16 of us in limo from outside the Queens up to Mansfield? It, I mean, the irony being we would have had more space in a car. <laughs> so we'd uh, yeah. hired a fuck-off size limo and filled it to the point that it was no longer very big. Good fun, though. Yeah, different. Different, certainly. Um, and then I suppose just stretching vehicles a little bit more again. Minibuses were used for a couple of different trips, weren't they, as well? I mean... I, I know, James, you, you were involved in a few, maybe a bit earlier than us in the conference winning season. You were part of that Paul Fairclough day, weren't you, at Lee RMI? Ah, yes, of course. Yeah, the, 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 the trip we um, went to, yeah, Lee RMI it was. We, we all dressed up as Paul Fairclough. So it wasn't much of a stretch for me at that age to just wear like a tracksuit top and tracksuit bottoms because that, uh, that was my fashion sense at the time. But yeah, with um, copious amounts of silver hairspray and like little... Um, post-it labels like painted with pf on we 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 did that uh paul fairclough day at the rmi to dedicate it to the uh the great man and uh we actually managed to flag ourselves onto the bench so like you know how open the rmi yeah that place was a farce it was well the rmi was completely open so we i think we just walked through a gate on basically onto the side of the pitch and sat in the dugout sat in the dugout five minutes before kickoff no stewards around or nothing, and uh, and just sat there and waited for Paul Fairclough to come out and, and give him his little surprise. It was yeah, it was great. I remember at full time that day walking onto the pitch and hugging him <laughs> just 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 because I wasn't dressed up either. I was in the supporters' coat. So if you remember rightly, the, the, we were in this, the stand behind Quite the dugouts. Yeah. We were asked to quieten down because their manager couldn't get his instructions across. Yeah, to the stop stop hitting the back of the stand. <laughs> We just the fact no he can't he's trying to impart messages well in uh, not quite it was it was almost like we done it on purpose because that Lee RMI ground like I say was so open and so massive that we could have stood anywhere but we decided that we were going to stand sort of at the top of that covered sort of seated stand behind the um, behind the dugouts and make as make as much as much racket as we possibly could but yeah you're right it was it was a time where. If we didn't get the train, if we couldn't get a train somewhere, because I think the RMI presumably would have been extremely difficult to get to from Peterborough. Um, <laughs> it was, uh, it was. If we if we didn't have that, we'd have the uh, we'd have the coach and uh, sorry the minibus. And then the one that really sticks in my memory was uh, Northwich. It was the one where we were due to win. Well, we could have won the league there, and we lost two 0 and it was a complete uh, anti climax. But I remember. There was twenty of us on this coach, and you're not meant to you're not meant to drink on these things, and hence the apple tango bottles of the past. But you're not meant to drink on these things. And um, we got there, and half of the Greater Manchester or the, the the police had turned up. Half the constabulary had turned up in Northwich to to greet us because they were expecting some sort of trouble. They're dogs, and, and uh, guns. If I remember rightly, <laughs> guns. I think they were guns. Hey. I'm pretty sure they were guns. I'm sure. I, I'm pretty sure I saw dogs. Now there's police dogs there, maybe even a helicopter. Maybe I was a little bit drunk. Well, they'd heard that, that Barnet but... had had the most arrests out of any club in London, um, presumably because we actually, because you could actually work out who it was that had done stuff at Underhill, whereas like Arsenal, they just kick you out, or Spurs, they just kick you out, or whatever. So we had some like hideous stats in terms of arrests at the ground, um, and they seemed to think we were coming to cause trouble. I couldn't have been further from the truth. Well, exactly. I mean, we were only there to have fun, but maybe we were like skirting around the, um, the the laws a little bit. And I think we were 
we were greeted at the ground by I can't remember who it was, but we were told to make it subtle that we'd been drinking and the coach door opened and the 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 bottles and cans just rolled <laughs> to the front of the coach and just fell down the steps onto the floor and just the guy was looking at us going oh my god this is the, the worst thing that could possibly happen but i think we all got away with it i think it was all fine and we drank in their social club because it was at witten remember witten yeah. ground and it was in the middle of nowhere it's a weird day you had to drink in you had to drink in their social club for several hours and we had that um Someone had made a conference trophy. That might have made an appearance at Northwich and Morecambe. Yeah, that uh, rings a bell with the champagne bottles and everything. And it's a bit of an anticlimax, but it all worked out in the end, didn't it? Which, yeah, reminds me of the minibus trip that certainly sticks in the memory uh, to Rochdale in 2008. And it was uh, tied in with a supporters match, as I recall. This only ever happened once. Certainly at that kind of distance, I Why think. Why do you reckon it was? <laughs> I think it may have been the fact that it was... So it was like a 6am departure, which even the BFCSA coach wasn't there at that point. 6am um, <laughs> departure from outside the Queens because of playing football beforehand. But obviously to fill the bus, you need people... You need you need 16 or whatever. Mm-hmm. There weren't 16 people who said they'd play for. I, I, I was just coming for the fun. <laughs> I remember as we went under the railway bridge at Barnet, just... Thinking, oh, looking at the clock on the thing, it said six oh seven, and you're just hearing that, that noise. <laughs> I, I remember oh, thinking it was God. a joke. I, yeah. So I just distinctly remember thinking, ah, it's, this is a. They brought cans, but it's a wind up. It's um, coke or something. It just they went, and it was like <laughs> we've got to play off. We, we, you know how far it is to Rochdale. It's, it's not like. You could be, you'll be leathered, and they're like, yeah, no, no, yeah hopefully. You know? <laughs> so it was, it, I, one of them was the goalkeeper. Yeah, the goalkeeper was, was the, one of the main, uh, main ringleaders in all of it, as I recall. <laughs> so, you did well, you have to be there for about 10, I think. Maybe a little bit I after, even. Know. But I know when we got there, everyone kind of <laughs> falling off the bus. Um, I, I had enough beers by that point that I was persuaded to be on the bench because we were short of players. <laughs> yeah, they so, yeah. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. I'll start. Well, no, you'll you be on the bench. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you're making a mistake, but yeah, no, I'll be involved. And um, just the... <laughs> didn't the goalkeeper... <laughs> Threw one in, didn't he? Yeah, I'm pretty sure he has two own goals and one over his head from a throw-in in the... Like, that would, that if, he'd let, if he'd just left it alone, wouldn't have been a goal. He, he, punched, it, he punched it in his own net after 45 seconds and that was basically a a summary of how that game went after the four hour drinking trip up there <laughs> you have no reasoning that the drinking in six no, in the no. morning might have had something to no, do it's with just it. unlucky wasn't it <laughs> funny wind up there oh. yeah it might have had nothing to do with the fact that you were all over the bloody but shit. I remember and the sports guys we lost 5-1 I, I will let you have it Craig <laughs> you scored the best goal you'll ever no, score you in any score. context do you know the frustrating thing about this as well is that um when we were on the coach, and every, I didn't realise it was the fucking drink talking, but we were on the coach on the way up, or the minibus on the way up. Everyone's going, if someone scores today, it's going to be mental. We're all going <laughs> to run away celebrating. And I'm like, you know, like the score is wrong. I'm number nine today. It might be me. It might be. But I remember being, no, but, but not even that. I remember it being quite exciting. And then, yeah, uh, at 5 nil down, I hit one from quite a long way out and it went in the top corner. And it probably is still the best goal I've ever score. And it got a 
a murmur. In fact, it got an apology because I was actually had a go out for shooting in the first place and then someone off fair enough. That, that was the celebration of that. Fuck it, awful. Travesty. Travesty. That was, uh, as I recall, that the game was early in the season. It was like the third match of the season. Yeah, it was. It was the second Saturday of the season. And we lost 3-1 or something like that. Wasn't it like a typical Rochdale, we go there, we get beat, but most of us aren't there. We're in the pub yeah, in the corner. Uh, well, yeah. We, Rochdale had two great things by their ground, which I'm assuming it's still there. It's been a while since Barnet and Rochdale in the same league. Opposite the away end was that brilliant uh, little chip shop. It was like in some, yeah. the bottom of someone's house. Yeah, it's great. Uh, pie and chips from there was always great. And next to the stand of the away, there was a pub called The Church, um, which I think half the supporters team that day stayed in the church rather than paying to get in the ground. As always happens at Rochdale, it seems, because the other one we went in the FA Cup, uh, we missed the goal. I'm sure Birchall scored right at the start. First minute, that we missed that getting chips and uh, definitely didn't see all of the game before retiring to the church, as we said. And, uh, yeah, it's one of those where you're like, I hope this goes to extra time because that gives us another half hour in the pub before we have to drive home. <laughs> it was a league game, Craig. <laughs> I thought that was the, was the FA Cup one. No, that's the other one. That's oh. the one. I don't think that well, I hope it goes to extra time anyway. <laughs> it's all very nice talking about Rochdale, but the, the thing about the minibus trip up there that really gets me is not the way up, not the game, not the fish and chips, not the pub, but it's the, the journey home. And as I recall, we realised that there was only one issue with the way up, and that was that the beers got warm. So we invested in a like a big storage container trough. Trough maybe the right word? I don't know. Yeah. Um, bought, you know, a load of ice and chilled a load of beers on the way back. And, uh, and if I, do, do I also remember rightly, is this the same trip? So we'd been to Brighton away earlier in the year and had a bit of luck on the same pier. Week. Same week even. And we'd um, uh, won a... Uh, well, a, a six-foot cuddly toy shark? Is there yeah. another way of... Orange and black as well. Orange so. and, yeah, black, orange and black. Jeff a shark. Jeff a big fucking thing. And, um, well, look, um, I'll let the shark tell its own story. But, <laughs> 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 but it wasn't uh, the, the pleasure shark, journey. The shark, saw some te- the shark saw some terrible things and uh, never saw the light of day again. But I suppose it's probably worth saying at this point that there is a reason why those away trips to supporters' games only happen once. And I think we've just probably gone through the reason why. And I know that the, I know that the individual who organised that trip uh, is a listener of this podcast. I think it's probably worth apologising to that individual in, in the sense that we, we, probably did it, we probably did it before. We probably apologised to him before, but we should probably make it clear again that we are very, very sorry for what we did. I'm going to name him. John, John Hunt, uh, an absolute uh, legend of the supporters team that... I'm sure we'll cover another time, but definitely deserves an apology for the state we left that minibus in. Good trip, though. We should do a minibus again sometime. (laughs) (laughs) And play football in the morning. (laughs) That was good fun. I I can't think there were many other ways of... Do you know what? There was one other way I can think of that people got to football, actually. I seem to remember um, there being a charity cycle. Oh, yeah. uh, To Oxford. And two of our friends did it. Um, with, with, with differing levels of success. I remember one didn't make the starting line because he's overslept, so um, not sure you can get away with that. Um, the other one, though, I remember when we turned up at Oxford, very proudly... On his bike. On his bike, proudly rode in. Around the pitch. Very good. And, yeah, he gave it the, the big in. And then um, we, I, I think we were all a little bit impressed, actually, because he, he wasn't sort of someone that kept himself fit. He'd done quite well. 
I remember talking to him because it had been like a two-day journey up there and we had a beer after the game and after how it, how it had gone. And I was like, didn't you get tired? And he went, oh, yeah, yeah, but they just popped us in the back of the van when we got tired. He fucking drove most of the way there. He just took a bike to Oxford <laughs> rather than actually on a bike to Oxford. Yeah. Uh, but, um, but yeah, I would have thought there were so many uh, elements to simply get into football matches to watch a largely terrible football team lose away from home. Um, so, yeah, I hope you... Enjoyed listening to that one um, and some of those things ringing true in your memories as well. Uh, I'd love to hear from you on the Twitter, the hashtag Barnet scenario game, what you do with current or former players, uh, you know, trainer shopping with Mauro Valletti. Um, as we said, several of them love a barbecue. Uh, so we'd love to hear some of yours. Get your on highlights there. done with Darren Curry. <laughs> <laughs> See, they write themselves. They write themselves. Heading, heading, heading practice with Clovis Camjo. There you go. I'd also be quite keen to hear um, <laughs> any particular scenarios that you can come up with where you think someone would need bringing back from the edge. <laughs> it's quite niche, but uh, oh, I like it. We're open to it. But uh, thanks for listening. We'll be back next time with uh, another special guest. I take Robinson on. Most people would say I was mad. Hey! 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 Hey!